Ugly, Chapter 8, All Downhill From Here. After I came along, there were seven of us in the house in Manly West, a suburb of Brisbane. My two sisters shared one bedroom, while I alternated between sharing a room with my two older brothers and sleeping in a single bed in my parents' room. Most of the time at home, I didn't wear my artificial legs. They were like big, uncomfortable shoes, and every chance I got, I took them off. I could crawl around okay without them on, and I was more comfortable. Plus, I had a lot more physical freedom when I had my artificial legs off. I could jump off couches and jump up and down stairs and crawl around the backyard. I was pretty quick, too. But there were plenty of things my siblings could do that I couldn't, like riding a bike. I'd seen my brothers ride their bikes up and down the street, carrying each other on the back, sometimes even on the handlebars in front. I wanted to ride a bike so much, I thought I'd burst into flames if I didn't. One day, Catherine, Paula, and Gary were playing outside. I asked Gary if I could try riding his bike. Sure, he said, but you'll need your legs on. When I was wearing my artificial legs, they helped me interact better with the big wide world. I was taller when I had them on and could walk around like other kids, but that didn't come without a cost. My prosthetics were cumbersome and heavy and wearing them often made my real legs hot and sore. Imagine wearing a big boot that goes all the way up to your knee and you'll get a sense of what it's like. As I was growing, they get uncomfortable even faster because I grew quickly and they didn't fit perfectly for long. I could get around with my legs off, either by crawling or lifting myself up on my arms and swinging the rest of my body underneath me. So almost every chance I could get, especially at home, I took them off. But riding a bike was worth having my artificial leg on. So I rushed upstairs and put them on. Ready, I said when I came back down. We were in the front yard. There was the fence and small avocado tree on one side and the house on the other. About 15 feet away downhill was the fence to the neighbor's house. In front of it was a lovingly manicured bush grown to chest height. It flowered almost year-round, and as far as I could tell, most of the local bee population seemed to live there. I avoided it as much as possible. I'd already been stung by bees a few times and knew how much it hurt. Gary and Catherine held the bike while Paula helped me climb on. "'What do I do?' I asked. "'Well, you're already facing downhill, so you won't have to pedal much,' Paula said." This was good, because while I could manage to put the foot of my right leg on the pedal, it was impossible to get my left leg sitting comfortably, so it just hung by the side, and I tried to keep it out of the way. Just steer, Gary said. Just steer, Catherine repeated. Steer and keep clear of anything, then start pedaling and keep going, Gary said. Steer and pedal, I thought. Simple. I gripped the handlebars of the big green bike and leaned forward, head down, built for speed. I imagined gathering speed, pedaling faster and faster, feeling the wind in my hair going so fast. Ready, Gary said. I nodded, and with one mighty shove, I was off. The first few seconds were sheer terror. I almost fell off as the bike wobbled from one side to the other, to another. Then there was a moment of exhilaration. The bike picked up enough speed to go straight for a little bit. I hadn't fallen off. I hadn't gotten my legs caught in the wheel or the chain, and I hadn't crashed into the side of the house. The wind was in my hair. I was riding a bike. From behind me, I heard someone shout. I ignored it at first. The feeling of riding the bike was too much fun. Turn! Turn the bike, Robert! Turn! Suddenly, I was headed straight for the rough branches of the bush on our side of the fence. Turn? They hadn't taught me how to turn but I turned the handlebars hard to the right and just missed running into the bushes, or so I thought. 
The momentum I'd built going downhill was too strong. While the bike was now traveling parallel to the bushes, I wasn't. I was heading toward them, or more precisely, into them. I toppled off the bike and fell straight into the bushes. I immediately started screaming to scare off the bees. Paula, Catherine, and Gary came racing down the yard to pull me free. I had a few scratches, but had avoided any bee stings. You didn't turn soon enough, Gary said. Not soon enough at all, Paula said. I scowled at them and started putting myself back together. My bike riding career had started and finished all in one go. Another time, Mom and Dad called us all into the living room. This was a rare enough event because we were normally scattered. Michael and Gary playing together or getting into fights with their sworn enemies from the house at the top of the street, and Catherine and Paula taking themselves off into their rooms and doing whatever girls did when they had secret meeting, which was just talking to each other as far as I could tell. We were lined up in the living room from oldest to youngest. Michael, ten years older than me, was tall, almost a mini dad. He and Gary were similar in looks with broad faces, big ears, and light brown hair. They were always exploring, going places I couldn't go and getting there in ways I couldn't, on their bikes or running. Paula was tall like Dad, with long, dark brown hair. She talked fast and lots, and always seemed like the sibling go-between, more patient and willing to play with me than my older brothers. Catherine was closest to me in age, so we played and fought together the most. She had red hair and was always being counseled by Mom to stay out of the sun. Like Mom, she was short, but everyone seemed like a giant to me most of the time, especially when I had my artificial legs off. And I had them off when Mom called us in. I was sitting on the carpet, but everyone else was standing straight. Something was up. Chocolates had been taken, Mom informed us, from the box on top of the fridge. I'm sure whoever took them thought we wouldn't notice, Mom said, walking up and down in front of us. I'm sure whoever took them thought, oh, Mom and Dad won't know if one or two are missing. Unfortunately, there are more than one or two missing, and we did notice that. She continued walking back and forth in front of us. Dad just stood there, hands behind his back, menacingly tall. So, Mom said, we're going to ask who took the chocolates. We're going to look you in the eye and ask you, and you'd better come clean or there'll be real trouble. She marched up to one end of the line and looked at Michael. She stared at me for a few seconds. Michael, did you take any chocolates? Mom asked. I leaned forward slightly so I could get a view of something other than Catherine's knees. No, Michael said, looking straight ahead, and then turned toward Gary. Aha, I thought, the culprit. Mom took a step to her right and faced Gary. Gary, did you take the chocolates? Nope, Gary said. He turned to look at Paula, next in line. A look of dread came over Paula's face as Mom stood in front of her. Dad was now moving along the line as well, towering over Mom's shoulder, but saying nothing. Paula, did you take the chocolates? My sister paused for a second, and a look of panic flashed briefly across her face. Surely this meant she was the guilty party, I thought. But no, Paula regained her composure, turned to look at Catherine first, then back at Mom. No, I didn't take any chocolates, Paula said. It wasn't me. Mom stared at her a few seconds longer before moving on to Catherine. The game was up. I knew I hadn't taken the chocolates, and if Michael, Gary, and Paula hadn't taken them either, then it must have been Catherine. I felt bad for Catherine, but I was happy it wasn't me. So, Catherine, Mom said, did you take any chocolates from the box on top of the fridge? 
Catherine looked like she was going to cry. Here it comes, I thought. Silence for a few more seconds. Her lips trembled slightly. Here it comes. Then ever so slowly, like it had been planned this way all along, Catherine turned to look at me. Me! Wait, what? I thought. That wasn't fair. I hadn't done it. I didn't take any chocolates, Catherine said, shaking her head. She stared at me the whole time. I looked to my left and realized there was no one there for me to look at, not even Sally, our dog. I started crying before Mom got to me. One by one, the others turned to look at me. Dad glared ominously over Mom's shoulder, and I tried to say, It wasn't me. It wasn't me. But everything was lost to my sobbing, and I got the blame. I still don't know who took those chocolates.